Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money on AM 990. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn. This is Jim Shoemaker, and Keith Quinn is out on assignment. I like that, Keith. You know how I say that about Keith. He's actually in Nashville office and uh, busy today. And in the studios with me is Mac Jenkins, uh, managing partner at Shoemaker Financial. Welcome, Mac. Good morning, Jim. Well, you know, it is a good morning. We have someone that, uh, you know, is a regular here for us, does a great job for us. You know, we need to invite him. Of course, I hear, though, he's going to Atlanta. You know, I mean, he's going to, he'll be in the South this week. In Absolutely. Fact, you know what? He tells me he's leaving immediately when we get through with the show. After the show. I tell you, to go to this graduation for his four-and-a-half-month-old, who is, as he says, he's smart. He's real smart. Wicked smart. <laughs> Wicked smart. <laughs> if you're just tuned us, our guest today is Kurt Zarnowski. He is with Zarnowski Consulting. He is our expert when it comes to Social Security and always does a phenomenal job of really bringing Social Security, which can be so complex and so difficult to understand, down to plain, simple English. Welcome to the program, sir. Hey, good morning, guys. Great <laughs> to be back and uh, keep that warm weather with you. You know, we're happy to have a nice... Beautiful New England weekend ahead of us. Uh, temps in the seventies. Don't uh, want to make you jealous, but uh, yeah, you're doing it here this weekend. You're doing it. You're doing it. Oh, but you know, Kurt, I tell you, one of the best things about being in the summer in the South is we don't put up with what you put up with when it comes to the winter time. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> the question: What bothers you more, the hot heat or the cold? Cold. <laughs> That's exactly right. You know, we always appreciate you being on the program because you do, as I said earlier, a great job of bringing a complex subject. Just this past week, I had people asking me questions about, you know, how much money can I make if I'm getting Social Security and when should I start? And I, really the question that I hear a lot is when do I start receiving retirement benefits? When's the best time or what should I be thinking about when I go through that process to start receiving my benefits? So let's start with that question. When should you sure. start and, You receiving? know, basically it's an individual choice. What makes the most sense for the individual? Key thing to think about though is recognize that you need to know what is called your full retirement age for Social Security purposes, which for people born between 1943 and 1954 is age 66. If you start at your full retirement age, you get 100% of what your work and earnings have entitled you to, but you can start as early as age 62 or at any point in between. And it's important to understand, if you start to collect that payment before you've reached your full retirement age, because now in theory anyway, you're collecting for a longer period of time, your monthly payment gets reduced, and it's reduced by roughly half a percent. But by the same, for each month you collect, by the same token, you wait past full retirement age to start because now in theory anyway, you're collecting for a shorter period of time. Well, your monthly amount is increased. It's increased by two-thirds of percent per month for each month you don't collect. So basically, it's like a continuum. If you start as early as age 62, you end up with 75% of the amount you'd get at your full retirement age, and it works gradually up. And if you wait past 
and wait as long as age 70, which is when those delayed retirement credits stop accruing, your monthly amount is 32% higher than it would have been at full retirement age. So it's up to the individual to decide what makes the most sense for them, but start sooner, get less on a monthly basis, wait longer to start, get more on a monthly basis. In theory, it's all supposed to come out even though based on average life expectancy, but life expectancy is increasing. Kurt, great answer. Let me let me ask you this. I actually had this question yesterday and sure. wanted to uh, wanted to follow up with that. Can spouses, divorced spouses or widows collect benefits? In the in the question I got yesterday, it happened to be uh, in regards to a divorced spouse. So could you share some information with us uh, about spouses and them collecting the benefits? Sure, absolutely. And the, the program allows for payments to spouses of primary workers. And as I would try and point out, programs totally gender neutral. doesn't matter whether the husband or the wife is the higher earner. But for our illustration today, for ease of explanation, we'll say it's the husband who's the higher earner. So that wife can collect a spousal benefit as early as age 62, as long as the husband has at least applied for benefits. Now, in the old days, the wife traditionally wouldn't have worked outside the home and uh, would collect the spousal benefit rate at that wife's full retirement age is 50% of the husband's full retirement age amount. Same concept holds if the wife wants to start collecting that spousal payment before hitting full retirement age, Monthly amounts reduced. It works out she starts right at age 62, the earliest possible point. Well, she ends up with 35% of the husband's full retirement age amount. Again, getting less on a monthly basis, but the theory is collecting for a longer period of time. With divorced spouses, that ex-wife, again, in our example, totally gender neutral, we'll say ex-wife, she can collect if a few conditions have been met. First and foremost, marriage needs to have lasted 10 years prior to the divorce, second for that ex-wife to collect, she cannot be married. She cannot be married. If she is remarried, then loses eligibility on her ex, but obviously gains potential eligibility on the new spouse. And then for divorced spouses to collect, no different than the, uh, the earliest age they can collect, no different than for regular spousal payments, age 62. At full retirement age, they get the full 50% of their ex's full retirement age amount. They start to collect sooner. They get that amount being reduced. So basically, spousal benefits, it's 50% of the primary worker's full retirement age amount, which is reduced if somebody starts to collect it prior to reaching that full retirement age. Mr. Kurt, let me ask you this. This is the question that came in last week. That's why we really wanted to do this program. This is a spouse. That's it. She's just turned 62, and she says, "I can I start collecting my Social Security? She is divorced. She had lived with her husband. They had been married for 20-some-odd years. So now she's divorced, and she's 62. She wants to receive her benefit and wait. He has not, he has not reached full retirement yet. He reaches full retirement next year. Is there an impact? I mean, Kind of walk us through. Give us the best scenario for her. She's 62. Yeah, so basically, as and we'll assume that the marriage lasted at least 10 years and that she continues to be unmarried, because she is under her full retirement age, and this is the other point I was going to get into about spouse's benefits, because she is under her full retirement age, when she goes to Social Security, the first thing they're going to look at is, has she worked and paid into the Social Security program right in the past? And does she have at least 10 years of work under the system? 
if she has at least 10 years of work, and we've talked about how you qualify for benefits in the past, then under the Social Security rules, if she wants to collect anything right now, she has to take her own retirement benefit first. Social Security pays that to her. Then they'll look to see whether there might be some additional money due her as a divorced spouse, but she's only going to get additional money as a divorced spouse if her own benefit is less than half of her ex's full retirement age amount. But if she waits four years until her full retirement age, an option opens up to her that she has the ability at that point to just take a divorced spousal benefit, get 50% of her ex-husband's full retirement age amount. She can defer receiving her own retirement payment at that point, and by deferring, begin to earn delayed retirement credits and increase her own ultimate retirement benefit by two-thirds percent for each month she doesn't collect, or 8% per year up until she hits age 70. Hmm. But while she's under her full retirement age, i.e. at age 62, she really has no option. She has to take her own retirement benefit first, and if her own is greater than half of her exes, then that's all she collects. But as I said before, she waits until full retirement age. She has the ability to just take the divorce spousal payment, get 50% of his, defer collecting her own, earn delayed retirement credits, and at age 70, begin to receive her own retirement payment, which will be 32% higher than it would have been had she started at her full retirement age. This is one of those strategies that's out there that a lot of people have questions about. And for all of these strategies, the magic happens as long as you wait and are at your full retirement age. Good things come to those who wait under the program, Jim. Well, I want to talk about that later on is the strategies. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Kurt Zarnowski, who is our expert when it comes to Social Security. He's a regular here on the, on the with us in the uh, on the phone. He is in Boston, Massachusetts at his headquarters, which is great. Uh, and uh, you're listening, of course, to Talk Money. And my guest with me is Kurt Zarnowski, Mac Jenkins, and I in the studios. You can always like us on Facebook. You know, we don't say that enough, uh, Mac. That That's right. They can like, like us on Facebook. Find us at iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial, and you can listen to this program again later. And we want to remind everybody they can do that. Kurt Zarnowski is uh, with us, and uh, we will continue. I mean, I want to just dive into a question. When you think about it, does work, a lot of people come up to this and say, well, if I'm going to retire at 62 and start my Social Security, as you said they could, but I, I don't really feel comfortable not working. So what does working do as far as the impact on their ability to collect their benefits? I mean, Kurt, this seems to be a question that everybody asks. Sure, absolutely. And it's important to understand that under the program, the key thing, as I've said right from the outset, is to understand and know what your full retirement age is for Social Security purposes they said, for people born between 43 and 54, it's age 66. And under the program, once you have reached your full retirement age, whether you're collecting retirement benefits, spousal benefits, divorce spousal benefits, or even widows or widower payments, you can work and earn as much as you want without any loss of benefits whatsoever. Full retirement age on work and earnings no longer impact your ability to collect. But if you're looking to collect payments before you've hit your full retirement age, then you're limited in how much you can earn each year before it begins to impact what you can collect from Social Security. There's an annual earnings threshold set each year, 2014. It's $15,480. So if you happen to make $15,480 or less while you're working, 
then you'll collect full Social Security benefits during the course of the year. But if you happen to exceed that, Social Security holds back $1 in benefit payments for each $2 that you're over that threshold. So what counts towards that 15480 Just two things only, wages or net income from self-employment. In other words, earned income, all of that unearned income that somebody may have, 401k distributions, bank interest, a VA benefit, General Motors pension, none of that counts towards that 15480 threshold. But once you hit full retirement age, the shackles are off, if you will. You can work and earn as much as you want without any loss of benefits whatsoever. But under full retirement age, you do have that earnings cap that you need to be aware of. Well, you know, when you ask that, when you say earnings cap, is there a is Social Security benefits subject to federal income tax? That's a question that a lot of people ask. And I, I know that you have to look at that and, and you have to deal with a modified gross income or just a gross income. But talk about how should they plan? And I guess, first of all, tell us, are they subject to federal income tax? And how should would you recommend they planned around that? Sure. Well, historically, the early days of the program, right up until 1983, Social Security benefits were completely tax-free. But that year, Congress changed uh, the tax code, set in place provision that if you were a higher-income Social Security beneficiary, and uh, set the threshold determining whether you're a higher-income beneficiary, that if you were a single tax filer and had a modified adjusted gross income above $25,000, or a couple filing jointly above $32,000, then that first year you would be required to treat up to 50% of the Social Security payments that you had received in the prior year as ordinary income, and it would be subject to federal income tax at whatever marginal tax rate you happen to fall under. That first year, about 10% of Social Security beneficiaries did find themselves having to pay federal income tax on a portion of their benefits. But what Congress didn't do was index those thresholds. So here now, more than 30 years later, it's still at the point where you, at the end of the year, if you have a modified adjusted gross income, and I'll define that in just a second, above $25,000 for a single single tax filer, $32,000 for a couple, you could find yourself now having to pay federal income tax on up to 85% of the Social Security payments that you had received in the prior year. So Tax implications something people need to plan for. What's modified adjusted gross income? It's your adjusted gross income, which is the bottom line on your 1040. But then you add back in any tax-free interest that had been excluded and half of the Social Security payments that you had received. Add those three things up. And if you're above that threshold of 25 for a single tax filer, 32 for a couple filing jointly, then you're going to have to pay federal income tax on up to 85% of the benefits that you had collected. One last point, what a lot of people don't realize though is this taxation provision was done to help improve the long-range solvency of Social Security because each year Treasury figures out how much additional income tax revenue has come in from the taxation of benefits and they transfer a like amount right back to Social Security. So last year Social Security received in excess of $20 billion because of the taxation of benefits. And because the thresholds haven't been indexed, about half of Social Security beneficiaries do find themselves having to pay 
federal income tax on a portion of their benefits, so it's certainly something people need to plan for. Mm. Well, that is such good information. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990, the voice of Memphis. We have Kurt Zarnowski, and he's talking about Social Security. And, sir, let me let's, let's just lead in with this question. The thought sure. is their strategies, and we've got enough time to get into these strategies and kind of walk us through some that you find to be very, very beneficial. Sure. And when we talk about these strategies, just for to remind listeners that we're talking about strategies that couples can employ to help maximize or optimize the Social Security benefits paid into the family over their lifetime. These don't pertain to single individuals, although there's one issue we'll talk about for singles. You know, as I always say, the best way a single individual optimizes his or her lifetime Social Security benefits is to wait until age 70 to start and then live forever. But with couples, there's some things you might want to consider doing. We'll talk about what I call file and suspend, talk about what I call claim some now, claim more later, and then we'll talk about third strategy called the combined strategies. But file and suspend basically, as I said, pertains to a couple situation, best illustrated, and we talked about this a little bit before with uh, a couple. So you've got a, and again, totally gender neutral, but for illustrative purposes, we'll talk the husband being the higher earner, that the husband wants to wait wants to defer, recognizes the benefit of earning those delayed retirement credits. But he's wondering, is there some way that I can get my spouse that Social Security spousal payment? And the file and suspend strategy basically says that if the husband is at his full retirement age, waits till full retirement age, he can at that point go into the Social Security office, file his application for his own retirement benefits, but then immediately asked to have his monthly payments suspended, meaning he doesn't want to collect anything. And because he's asked to have his payments suspended, he'll begin to earn those delayed retirement credits, increasing his benefit by, keep saying, two-thirds percent for each month he doesn't collect, 8% per year right up until age 70. But by his having applied in the first place, the wife is now able to apply for spousal benefits and receive that payment each month even though the husband isn't actually collecting anything. Because the key thing about that spousal payment, the husband, for the wife to collect, the husband needs to have applied for benefits. But the file and suspend strategy allows him to apply, ask to have his payment suspended, so he increases his benefit, but it allows some, that Social Security spousal payment, to come into the household while he's waiting. So that's something for somebody to keep in mind. Key thing is the husband has to be at full retirement age. That's another example of good things coming to those who wait. Because you can't go to Social Security at age 63 or 64 and look to file and suspend. Well, you can, but they're not going to let you do it because you have to be at full retirement age. So, so that's, that's the, one strategy for folks to keep in mind. And that first one is called file and suspend. Now, let's put that on the shelf. That's file and suspend. Let's make sure everybody gets that one. Now, you're going to talk about claim some now, and then claim more later. I, I, I yeah. like that one, too. That's a good time. Sure, and we'd actually touched on this a little bit earlier in the program, Jim, when we were talking about that divorced spousal situation. So claim some now, claim more later. Again, a couple situation. But let's say you've got now the husband and wife have both worked, both have paid into the Social Security program. And let's say the wife has begun collecting benefits. But the husband, again, wants to wait wants to earn those delayed retirement credits to not only increase his own ultimate payment, but to increase the survivor benefit that could be paid to his wife if he were to pass away. And we've talked about that at other times. But the claim some now, claim more later strategy says, 
if the husband waits until his full retirement age, at that point he can go to Social Security and opt to collect just a spousal payment, meaning he'll receive 50% of his wife's full retirement age amount that will be paid to him. Meanwhile, he will not have applied for his own retirement benefit, and so his payment will be increasing 8% per year up until age 70. I equate this to Mary Poppins in some ways. It's spoonful of sugar helping the medicine go down. He's able, because he's at full retirement age, he's able to take just this admittedly smaller spousal payment while he defers collecting on his own. Again, key point is he has to be at full retirement age to be able to do this. If he goes to Social Security prior to full retirement age, as I mentioned before in the discussion about the divorced spousal situation, he would have to take his own retirement benefit first. And if it's higher than 50% of his wife's, then there are no spousal benefits due. But at full retirement age, he can get that 50% spousal payment while at the same time deferring on his own. So the claim some now, he gets that smaller spousal payment, claim more later, swoops back on it at a later date, and takes his own retirement benefit, which will have been increasing at the same time he's been collecting this spousal payment. So something for folks to consider. Yeah, claims them now, Mac, and uh, claim some later. Claim some later. I, I like the Mary Poppins mindset. That was good. Just yeah, a few yeah. few minutes left. And so now you're talking about combining them. Uh, what is Absolutely. So now you get a situation, both the husband and wife have worked, both have paid into the Social Security program, but now both of them want to wait, want to defer past full retirement age to increase their ultimate benefit. And they're wondering, oh, is there something we can do to get some Social Security money coming into the household while we're waiting? And this combined strategy says, sure. As long as you're both at full retirement age, you can have, and let's say the husband, again, the higher wage earner, he goes to Social Security, he files and suspends. So he applies, suspends, because he's not collecting anything, he's earning delayed retirement credits. The wife, also at full retirement age, goes to Social Security and files for just a spousal payment. By so doing, she's not collecting her own retirement benefit, and that too will be increasing by 8% per year. But because she has applied for this spousal payment, she'll begin to receive 50% of the husband's full retirement age amount paid to her while both members of the couple are deferring. Now, the question always comes up, well, can you, like, cross-collect just spousal payments off each other? No, you can't do that. One has to file and suspend. One files for spousal benefits only. It works either way, but chances are you want to have the higher earner of the two file and suspend the lower earner file for spousal benefit only, because that way you get 50% of a higher amount coming into the household while both members of the couple are deferring. So again, all of these key thing is to take advantage of them, you have to be at full retirement age in order to be able to do that. So as I keep harping on, good things come to those who wait. You know, Kurt, the problem we have with you having you on is you've got so much information in the time. I don't know what it is. I don't feel like that we're doing anything different, but the time is flying by. That's Absolutely it is. Kurt Zarnowski, he is the consultant. Kurt, just briefly, how long did you actually be involved with Social Security? I mean, Yeah, I worked for Social Security for 34 years. Uh, the last 20 years of my career, though, as the communications director here in New England, which meant spent a lot of time out talking to folks about the program, helping to educate them about it, and it's a work that I 
really enjoyed and have tried to continue here in retirement. Yeah, you do a wonderful job. And if you just tuned in, we've been talking with Kurt Sarnowski. You can listen to this program again. Just find us on iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial and dive into the program with Kurt Sarnowski. He is answering critical questions and questions that we hear all the time at the office. And, Kurt, you always do a good job, and we will have you on again. And just because It's uh, November 21st, uh, Jim. I was just looking at the calendar. <laughs> okay, November the 21st. So everybody needs to put that on their calendar. Kurt Zarnowski, he is our guest. He has been talking about Social Security. You're listening to KWAM, the voice of Memphis. You can like us on Facebook, find us on iTunes, and search for Shoemaker Financial. You know, this program, we've got so much more we could have talked about, but the time has flown by. Mac, you did a great job with me today, man. I appreciate you. You're standing in for Keith. Always a pleasure to be here. And Keith and I will be back next week with Frank Allen. We're talking about planning for the unexpected. I appreciate my the producer, Art Frederick. He does a, does a great job for us. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistants, Eleanor Moskovich, Katie Brashear. Compliance officer, Jeff Long. Mid-South History Moments by Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. You know, it's wonderful to be with you on a great Friday. You have a wonderful weekend. I'm Jim Shoemaker. We're here every Friday helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.